very special week, isn't it, as we join with millions of people around the world to reflect and to meditate on those historical events of our Lord Jesus. Life on earth, his last week on earth, um, his death, his resurrection. Um, more than just that, we also reflect on his life that we could come to know um, God through him being incarnate in our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what we celebrate at Easter. Over the last few weeks in our church, we have been doing a series called Uncertain, where we've addressed um, some of the questions that people will raise that are barriers or faith blockers for them coming to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal saviour. And we've done a number of um, questions and they're on the website if you'd like to go back and look at those. But this morning, we're going to look at a question. This question is, why did Jesus have to die? And if we just think about it superficially, it does seem a little bit absurd that an all-powerful God, creator of the world, would allow his only beloved son, the Lord Jesus, to die on a cruel cross and an agonising death. Surely, we might think, God could have found an easier way to... Um, to establish a relationship with mankind. So this morning, I just want to take a few minutes for us to think about this question, why did Jesus have to die? And I want to take a step back and just talk a little bit about the context in which we live. Do you know there's something inherent in the way that we are designed and created that wants to make order out of chaos, wants to make sense out of meaninglessness and we see that in all different areas of our life so let's take for example sports I know some people here are um, sports players or fans of sport let's just imagine that we decided to take up a competitive sport and my favorite sport soccer so that's the sort of illustration you'll get from me and what you find out when you want to play soccer seriously is that you can't just do whatever you like for example, um, the, one of the first things you need to understand is that the game of soccer in every sport has a series of laws and whilst you play within the laws, you can go ahead and achieve all sorts of goals and, and purposes, but once you start to break away from those laws, then all of a sudden there's a whole lot of consequences that come. Just imagine that I was somebody who said, I don't want to be bound by the laws of soccer. I want to be a free-spirited soccer player. And so in my team, instead of having 11 players, I've decided that I'll have 15 players on my side. And when we score a goal, we're going to get two points while the other team gets one point. And you know what? Um, you know this business about if you get knocked over in the penalty box, they get a free a penalty shot. Um, we're not going to do that for my team and do it for your team. What will happen? Well, in the world of soccer, not only are there laws and regulations that make sense of what everybody's doing and provide safety for what people are doing, they also have a referee who blows the whistle and makes sure that you do the right thing. And that if um, I was to just be a free-spirited soccer player, my soccer career would be very short because I failed to understand that I played soccer in the context of some laws and some order that um, govern the game of soccer. Now, some of you there are already shaking your head saying, I'm not that interested in sport. But, you know, there are social laws that we also find affect our life. 
and which we must learn to live within and to accept or accept the punishment that comes from breaking the rules. Even if we haven't personally had a say in what those rules are. Let's talk about some simple things like driving. What happens if I'm a free-spirited person and I say, I will drive at whatever speed I want to drive? If I'm coming to church, I want to drive at 120 kilometres an hour, then that's a free will thing. Well, what we find in our society um, is that we have a whole lot of rules and we have ways in which people are held accountable for those rules as well. And we learn to live within the context of those rules. I'm getting bigger, just stay with me and you'll find out where I'm going. Do you know that there's not only social laws, but there's natural laws. There are things within the context of which we live on planet Earth, which are laws which are given and we need to operate under the, um, the, those laws or face the consequences. So, for example, one of the laws is the law of gravity. The law of gravity says that if you jump off of a roof or a great height and hit the bottom, then you will hurt, if not die. Now, what happens if I say, well, I don't believe in the law of gravity. I'm a free spirit. I can do whatever I like. Well, when you jump off the, the cliff, you're saying to yourself, I'm lighter than air. I can float. But the reality is that the law of gravity will still work. You know, there's so many ways in which God has designed our world with purpose, but also with order. In Colossians 1, 15 to 17, we read, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things that have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It shouldn't be surprising to us that there are laws of God's universe that are put there by a creator. But this morning when I asked the question, why did Jesus have to die? I want you to also realise that there are spiritual laws that govern the world and the universe as well. They are the character of God put out into the very way that the universe operates. Um, they are the outworking of the character of God. And God himself will always act in a way that is true to those laws. And so we as human beings can't say, well, we don't accept God's laws. Again, we operate in the context of God's overall laws and we run the uh, subject to the consequences of not following through. So... Long introduction to the question, why did Jesus have to die? And this morning I want to do this in a couple of ways. I want to do some reading from Romans 5. Dave's already read the first part of Romans 5 and I actually have the next verses there because here Paul gives a, a reasoned explanation of why Jesus had to die from verse 12 on. I want to talk about some of these reasons in specifics and then I want to do something different and I'm hoping there are some kids here as well because I think the kids will understand this as well as the adults and that is I want to actually give you some word pictures or illustrations that might just help in our mind to get the concepts of the reasons why Jesus had to die. So here goes, fasten your seatbelts. 
Um, it's the law of the universe, isn't it? Um, reason one, God is holy and there is no sin in him. You see, when the word is used of God as holy, it means he's separate or he's different from the whole of creation. It also tells us in the scripture that God is righteous and just and he created man without sin and placed him in the Garden of Eden. And as you read in Genesis 1, 2 and 3, um, you realise that at the beginning when Adam and Eve were created, um, that there was no barrier between them and God. God created them in his image. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. And we even get this beautiful picture in Genesis 3 where God would come down to the garden in the cool of the evening and converse and have fellowship with man, his creation. Um, you need to hold on to that because God is holy there is no sin in him. The second reason that Jesus had to die was this, because sin separated man from God. And this is where we'll start reading in Romans 5, just verse 12 at the moment. Here's Paul's explanation of, of, of sin and of Jesus um, of being separated. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin... And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. You see, in the Garden of Eden, sin entered the world because our ancestors, Adam and Eve, made a choice rather than to do what God called them to do. They made a choice to disobey God and go their own way. Now, you might be saying, okay, there's already a problem in this theory. If God is so powerful, why did he even allow the possibility of mankind choosing to disobey and go away? Why, why didn't God just make man and woman to be obedient to God with no choice? And if you ask that question, and that's a good question to ask, I think the answer is in this. The purpose that God created mankind was to have relationship with him. The very nature of God, the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, um, is a communal God. Relationship is at the heart of who God is. And God created man and woman so that they might be in relationship with him. And if you want to be in relationship... It's not something that you can force. It's not something that you can legislate. It's not something that you can make happen. And here's my first little picture. Imagine, for example, that I was a very scientific person and I decided to solve all the world's problems by opening a designer family store. And this designer family store, with the marvels of modern technology that you could come to my store and I could create a robot for you that could take the place of your spouse and your children and you could create them in however you wanted them to look and you could program into them whatever you wanted them to do and you could get them to always be obedient to what you said. And you might be saying to me, some days at my house that might be a good idea 
to have a family of robots who would just do everything I wanted and be everything I wanted. But you know what you would miss out on if you designed a family like that? There's no place for love because they're just robots. They just do what they are programmed to do. And so when God created Adam and Eve, God created them because he wanted to love them or loved them and he wanted them to love him. And love is a choice. Paul goes on in Romans 5 to say this, to be sure sin was in the world before the law, that's the Old Testament law, was given because it's saying it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. See, sin is beyond obeying the law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses and even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. The reality that, that is being stated here by Paul is this, that we all have a sin problem. Um, the, um, all have fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. The wages of sin is death, separation from God, Romans 6.23. You see, what, the second reason that we need to hold in our mind for why Jesus had to die was that you and I, and all of the humankind have been separated from God by sin. And here's something interesting about this separation. There is no way in which you and I can bridge the gap. There's no way in which you and I can be good enough to somehow come overcome the barrier of sin in our life. Here's my second little picture, kids. You imagine that I decided that I was going to have a great swimming competition and I was going to be very extravagant in this and so it was a competition to see who could swim from Australia to North America the quickest. Now that's a long way if you know your geography. And so there are people who are going to try and swim the length from Australia to the North American continent. And here's just a snapshot of some of the people who try. There's one fellow who is really very unfit. Um, he's got a lot of bad habits. In fact, he's so nervous about the competition that he spends too much time drinking on the night before the race. And by the time he gets to the starting line, he's a mess. And the reality is that he doesn't get more than just out of the shallows. The second contestant is somebody who is what you would just call an ordinary person. They can swim a bit, they're not memorable for anything like that. And so they get there in their swimming togs and they start swimming and they swim out a fair way. You know, a number of hundreds of metres before they're exhausted and can't keep going. And then the third contestant is an Olympic distance swimmer. Um, had swum the English Channel a number of times. And so they set out and they swim for mile after mile and hour after hour. And so they get to about 40 miles off the coast or 40 kilometres off the coast before they're exhausted and can't go any further. Now, how does that fit into this that gap? The reality is that nobody can swim from Australia to North America. No matter how good they are, no matter how bad they are, the reality is it's an impossibility. And so we neither can bridge the gap that sin has created between us and God. 
Here's the third reason that Jesus had to die. Because Jesus' death was always part of God's rescue plan for mankind. As much as it would have broken God's heart to see man turn their back from God, God always intended to seek to redeem and to restore mankind into relationship with him. How do we know that? Well, we know it right through reading the scriptures from Genesis chapter 3. In the garden at the fall, there is um, a statement that God makes to the serpent that says, I will put enmity between your seed and the seed of man. Um, some people call that the, the seminal promise of salvation. Um, through the Old Testament, God called the people of Israel to himself, not just for themselves, but so they would be a blessing to the whole world. And he set up within their culture, within their religious practices, a whole system of sacrifice where they knew that they could not um, be absolved of their sin by themselves, but they would take an unblemished lamb and offer that to God in their place. You might wonder why that was important, because God was saying that there is a universal principle that God has, that where there is sin, the price has to be paid. And yet God was saying that it could be paid by a blameless, innocent lamb, and that was a picture of the Lord Jesus who was going to come as well. God's rescue plan is probably most familiar to us in John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. You see, God had a rescue plan and that required a life to be given, a blameless, innocent life so that we could live, a life that would be laid down in our place. And that's what Paul goes on to say in Romans 5. He says this, verse 15, But the gift, that's the gift of Christ's death on the cross, is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. Judgment followed one man's sin, one sin, and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? So when we come here on Good Friday, there is a sadness in seeing our Lord Jesus who undeservedly was on a cross, but he was on a cross for us. And it's clear that Jesus only could pay the price for our sins. So reason four that Jesus had to die was he alone was the one who could pay the price of our sin. In simple terms, um, we are born into sin. Every one of us has a sin problem, um, individually and collectively. And we are incapable of removing um, that through our own effort. It therefore required that God would reach down into our world and to offer to rescue us through his grace and his provision through Lord Jesus Christ. When I was in primary school, in state schools in Brisbane, we still used to sing hymns. And one of the hymns that we used to sing that I remember from my earliest times was, There is a green hill far away. When I say 
that Jesus only could pay the price of our sin. This is something that we have spoken the words through generations. The words go something like this. There is a green hill far away without a city wall where the dear Lord was crucified who died to save us all. We may not know, we cannot tell what pain he had to bear, but we believe it was for us he hung and suffered there. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Starting to get the picture? Why did Jesus have to die? So that you and I could receive God's love and acceptance into his family. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it this way, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 5 continues to tell the story. Consequently, verse 18, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation of all people, so also one righteous act resulted in the justification and life for all people. For just as though the disobedience of one man, through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, the Lord Jesus, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that we might know of our desperate need for God, so that the trespasses might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. So God's gift to us is undeserved. It's unearned. God loved us so much that he wanted us to be part of his family. And yet God couldn't just turn a blind eye or overlook our sin. And so he needed to pay the price for sin. And that was through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know this morning as we stop and reflect, that is an offer that God gives to all of us, the gift he wants to give us of being right with him. And... um, We trust that many of us here have accepted that gift from God. But here's one more example, and this is particularly for the kids, but I think the adults will get it as well. Um, I'm going to ask Deanna to come up to the stage and talk to me for a minute. Deanna's a wonderful blessing to our church. She um, oversees and leads the kids' church programs, and for most of the term, she is out there. And I really appreciate Deanna and um, working with her and um, being in the office. And so I thought to myself, it would be good to give her a gift. And I looked through my wallet and I found some money, a $10 note. Um, I did find a bigger dollar note, but um, I thought $10 is is, is expression of it. And so just want you to think, want you to think that here I am, a person who really appreciates Deanna, who um, wants to express that by offering her a gift of $10 and so that she can then take that and her life can be so much better than it would be without this gift that I've given her. So isn't that a nice thing for me to do? Yes, you like that? There's only one problem. I can talk as much as I like, but while I keep the $10 in my hand, it's not really a gift at all, is it? Because what's missing For this $10 to actually truly be a gift, what's got to happen? Well, I've got to give it to her, 
But there's something even more deep than that. Deanna's got to accept it. If she just folds her hand and says, oh, Stephen, you can't have this money. I mean, I won't take this money from you. You keep it. Go and buy some Easter eggs or some chocolates or whatever. Um, Whatever I try to do, unless she is willing to accept this as a free gift without any strings attached, then I still am holding the gift. Deanna, are you willing to accept my gift of $10? Yes, I am. Thank you, Give, Give Deanna a round of applause. Very important message. Just hold that picture there, not the $10. And sorry, I don't repeat this illustration too often outside afterwards. Um, But it's just like what the gospel is saying. When Jesus died, his death was sufficient for all. But God wants to restore his relationship with us, but we have to be willing to accept the gift that he offers us. Um, John 1.12 says, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So this Easter, um, we can understand why Jesus died. We can even appreciate the fact that God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son so that we could be his children. But we also have to be willing to accept the gift that he's given us personally in our own heart and life. And one last thing before we go to communion, and that's, I've I've called it the tragedy of Easter. Each Easter, I think God has a degree of sadness as he looks at the world that he created. Last picture story. I remember a story told of a railway keeper long ago who um, was a railway keeper of a bridge over a river that had a railway line in it. It was one of those bridges that had all the old mechanisms and cranks and and cogs and whatever, and he had a job that when a boat was coming, he had to rise the, open the bridge, And when it was gone, he had to close it so that the train could continue across. One day, his young son, who um, had been often wanting to go to work with Dad, um, he said, Dad, can you take me to work? I just want to be there with you. And so his son went to work with him and he's playing around the office and around the bridge and whatever. And and Dad gets distracted and he goes down a ways and the alarm rings to say that there is a train coming to cross the bridge. He realises instinctively that he's only just got enough time to get back to the control room and to set the lever to lower the bridge so that the train can go across safely. And so he races up to the control room. He goes to flick on the switch to lower the bridge and to his absolute horror, he sees that his son, who was playing, had climbed out into the mechanism of the bridge. And in that split second, he knew that he had to make a misdecision. If he hit the switch, he would save hundreds of lives of people on the train. If he didn't hit the switch, they would perish. But if he hit the switch, his son would die. What would you do in that situation? Seems like an impossible decision to make. And the story goes that he actually decided he had to save all those people. And so he hit the switch And the bridge lowered and his son was crushed in the mechanism. 
The tragedy of it was this. Here is the father sitting in the control room watching the train go across the bridge, absolutely distraught with pain at the loss of his son and all he sees is people in the, in the train carriages laughing and carrying on as though there's no, nothing that's happened, totally unaware of the sacrifice that has been made for them to live. And I think gods can understand that because at Easter time, I know there are many who have realised that God loves them and accepted the invitation, but there are many who are like the people on that train, who are oblivious to what God has done, who um, have not accepted that offer. So this morning, we've asked the question, why did Jesus die? Well, Jesus died so that you and I could live. This Good Friday could be a very significant time in our journey. For some of us, we've understood that, we've accepted that, but we need to go on from this point living in the light of what God has done for us. But I'm also wondering whether this morning there might be some of us here, we might even know the terminology and we come to church at various times and hear the stories. But have we ever not only understood God's offer of salvation through Christ, but accepted it personally for ourselves. And so what we're going to do to um, move forward in the service is I'm going to invite the um, welcomers to um, come and if, they, if you didn't receive your communion elements as you came in, you can put up your hand. I'm going to ask the music team to come to the stage and I'm also going to ask the art people to bring the pictures and I'm going to suggest that we actually take a little bit of time of personal reflection and meditation together. Um, that we might just use this time to respond to God. And as we remember the true meaning of Good Friday, Christ's death for us, there might be some things that we want to do in order to, to um, acknowledge that um, together as we pray, as we take the elements, as we um, just spend some time together. Um, we're doing it together, but it's also an intensely personal time. And the strings group who are coming now, um, we will do this slowly and they will play a, a, a chorus between each section. But I want you to just have this sense of being close to God at this time. So what you might like to do, and I'll do the same, is just to get your communion elements ready. Don't take as we do that and as we play just think again about Jesus' death on the cross for you and what it means for you
Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he instituted this memorial that we might remember. Matthew 26, 26 says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread. Take the bread that you've got. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave thanks to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Just quietly give thanks to God and take and eat the bread. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And might this be our, in a sense, either recommitting of ourselves to that accepting of God's gift of life through Christ, or maybe for somebody here today, it is our initial accepting of that gift as well as we accept what God's done for us into our own life. Let's drink together. Jesus finished the institution of the communion when he said this to his followers, I tell you, I won't drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. This is a feast not of defeat but of hope because God promises that he will um, come again and Christ will come again and we will be restored to him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your gifts to us. Thank you, Lord, that you... Um, given your son for us um, there was no other way in which we could be your children except through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ thank you Lord for his willingness to pay the price so that we might live and father as much as today we celebrate the sadness of that death on the cross we look forward because we know that Sunday's coming and to the resurrection and that father all things made new in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.